0: Good morning. Good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Uh, We do have several visitors with us and some of our regular uh, ones that come every so often whenever they are able and we do appreciate all of you being here today. Uh, I commented that it looked like we had more visitors than members. That's not the case but uh, it feels like an open house to me. And uh, So anyway we're glad to have all of you. Um, If you would God Visitor's Card, we'd like to have a record of your visit. Uh, wouldn't mind doing that for us and drop it in the basket whenever it's passed. Our lesson for this morning continues a series that we began last week on the pursuit of Christian excellence. And I got to thinking about uh, what to, to speak on this month and and I thought about going back to school. You know, we have kids going back to school and and so that that's a big event. That's something that, uh, of course, on Facebook and all that, you'll see all kinds of pictures of first days. And one of the things that we think about whenever kids go back to school, we want them to do their best in in school. We want them to make the best grades. And so, uh, you know, we we try to encourage them to do their very best in whatever work they are assigned. And when it comes to Christianity, I think it's very interesting that we often settle for less. We often settle for being the average Christian, and that's, that's not what God expects of us. So as we are children of God, we want to seek to be our very best. And so all of our lessons this month are looking at being better than the average Christian, doing more uh, in some cases, as Scripture tells us. Today's lesson is on faith, Faith more than just believing. Faith is more than, than just believing that God exists. There's something more that goes along with faith. Now many teach a faith only salvation that anyone who believes is saved. Uh, this belief mostly tries to downplay the importance of baptism or obedience in any kind of form. And there are certain verses that these people use to try to prove their point. One of those is found in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Of course this is spoken in regard to the Philippian jailer. But we also read that in verse 33 of that same chapter that he and his household were baptized. That very night we see that faith uh, was not about just believing, but it was about obedience as well. In Paul's writing to the Romans, some will use Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. And particularly verse 13 is the one that is used most often. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember driving not too long ago and somebody had posted that on a billboard. But the idea of faith only being what is required of God is refuted by the same letter. As Paul speaks of the importance of baptism in Romans chapter 6 beginning with verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Coincidentally, or maybe not, the only verse that puts the words faith and only together disproves such teaching as faith only salvation. Uh, notice the necessity of works of obedience in James chapter 2 and verse 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Though man is not saved by his works he is justified by his faith leading to obedience to God's word. We read this in James chapter 2 verses 17 through 20. Thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead but someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Do you want to know? Many believe in faith only doctrine because they do not want to believe the alternative that baptism or obedience in any way is necessary for salvation. It is easy for them to believe that faith alone saves, so it is accepted by many as fact, though Scripture clearly teaches against it. But faith is more. Faith is more than just believing that God exists or that He created the world or anything like that. Faith is more. Faith is defined in Hebrews 11.1 1, as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10.7. But faith is more than just belief. It leads us to action and living faithfully for God. This lesson is going to explore the concept more thoroughly. But I want us to really begin our, <clears throat> begin our lesson today on the necessity of belief. It is necessity that we believe in God. Let's go back to the very definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and beginning with verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. By definition, by Scripture's definition of faith, it is the substance of our hopes. And it is the only evidence that is needed to believe in the things that we cannot see. Faith is our evidence for believing in the existence of God and believing that He is the creator of the world. Christianity is founded upon this faith, this belief. Notice what is said in Matthew 16, verses 15 through 18. And what we refer to as as Peter's great confession here. In verse 15 of Matthew 16, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Many believe this rock to be Peter himself, and that's not the case upon his confession, upon the faith behind his confession. That's what the church was established on. That's what the church was founded on. Faith is a firm foundation. And we're told that as the church is founded on faith, that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. can also be used in a non-spiritual sense, if you will. We can believe in the existence of the wind, for instance, because we can feel it, even though we cannot see it. And so we believe that it is there. We can believe that others are telling the truth based on our past experiences, putting our faith in them. After mentioning the faith of men such as Abel and Enoch, we are told that without faith it is impossible to please God. We cannot be pleasing to God without faith. And we have these good examples of Abel and Enoch. Abel pleased God by offering a more excellent sacrifice than his brother we understand that Enoch walked with God all of his days on earth and his faith led him to live according to his faith in such a way that he also pleased God. According to verse 6, they believed not only in God's existence but that he was a rewarder of the faithful. Anyone who does not believe in God's existence will be unable to please him. But not all who believe in his existence are properly motivated by faith. Let's take Cain as an example of this. Cain believed in God's existence. And that he is. He believed that he created the world. He believed that he was the ruler of the world. Cain believed all of these things. The problem with Cain, though, was that he did not diligently seek to know God. Or he would have sacrificed according to his faith and what God commanded. Cain's faith was not strong enough to lead him into faithful service. So it's not enough just to believe in God. We see that Cain believed in God or he wouldn't have offered a sacrifice at all. The problem with his faith was that it was not strong enough to lead him to faithful obedience. The faith of the Bible is just that. It is the faith. Though many today believe in multiple faiths, or religions, denominations. The Bible speaks of no such thing. When faith is spoken of, it is always, always, always singular. Let's notice some examples from Scripture. First of all, we understand that there is but one faith from Ephesians 4, and verses 4 through 6. There is one body. And one Spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The faith we are expected to walk in today is the same faith of the Old Testament. It's the faith of Abraham. Look at Romans chapter four, and beginning with verse 11, Romans four and verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness, of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the Father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Now, though the ways that we obey have changed a little bit between the Old Covenant and the New, it's the same faith in God. The same faith in the only God. Though we were once enemies and strangers to God, we are reconciled to Him if we continue in the faith. Colossians 1, beginning with verse 21 and reading through verse 23. Colossians 1, 21, And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I Paul became a minister. The crit Corinthians were encouraged by Paul too in verse, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Paul not only encouraged others to stand fast in the faith, but he set the example by living by it. Second Timothy chapter 4 Verses 7 through 8, passage that we know well. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What we see in all of these instances is that there is only one faith. The faith of the Bible. The faith in the one and only God. Now again, we understand that, that faith is of necessity. We cannot be Christians. We cannot please God without true living faith. Belief is something that is very important to the life of a Christian. But belief is to be a propeller, if you will. It is to lead us to do something. So let's notice our second point. Belief leads to faith. that the Bible speaks of is more than just belief. It involves action. Many misunderstand the meaning of grace and the difference between works of merit and works of obedience. Let's notice that for a moment. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, and beginning with verse 4. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What do we know about grace? Though we were once dead in our trespasses, by grace we have been saved through faith. We understand by this passage that grace is the gift of God and it is not of works so that anyone should have reason to boast in himself. Many will point to verse 9 to say that works have nothing to do with our salvation. However, verse 10 says that we are created for good work. And this passage alone shows a difference in the way the word works is used. Verse 9 speaks of works of merit. There is no amount of works that can be done to save us from our sins and so salvation comes by the grace of God. There's nothing that I can do To merit my own salvation. Nothing that I can ever do to merit my own salvation. We looked at it a little bit last week in the word righteousness as we were studying through the one word series. And we looked at righteousness and and my righteousness. The righteousness that I possess is, is not mine at all. But it comes from God's righteousness. I am clothed with God's righteousness. Nothing that I have done to be righteous. But it is through the righteousness of Christ that I am saved. And the same way with grace. There are no amount of works of merit that I can do to earn my own salvation. But I want you to notice again what it says in verse 10. It says that we are created for good works. But these are different types of work. A different type of works. Works of obedience is what we're talking about in verse 10. Now, though we are not saved by works of merit, there are still works of obedience that are expected of followers of Christ. Faith without works... It's not a living faith but a dead faith. Notice again what is said in James chapter 2. And This time let's read from verse 14 through verse 26. James 2 beginning with verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe. And tremble. But do you want to know, a foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? When he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. The works of James 2 are not works of merit, but those of obedience. Works of obedience provide us, as they did Abraham, with justification of our faith. A reason for our faith. If Abraham had not done what he was commanded, his faith, his belief in God would have been worthless. If we do not recognize the difference between works of the Bible, the works of merit, and the works of obedience, then the Bible has contradicted it contradicted itself and there's no reason for us to believe it. Go back to Ephesians 2 and Paul would have contradicted himself in Ephesians 2 verses 9 and 10 by telling us that though we are not saved by works we are still created to do them. It wouldn't have made sense. In one instance works would be required and in another they are not and that's not the case. There's a difference between works of merit and works of obedience. We have to use the context to tell the two apart. So we understand that faith, belief is not not enough, not in and of itself. But our belief, our faith should lead us to do more. It should lead us to obey God. To obey His word in, in all that He has commanded us. When it comes to our salvation, we are to obey His word. And obey in repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins and living faithfully. And when it comes to our worship, we are to, to worship in the way that He has commanded. We obey through faith in God's word. As we close our lesson today, let's look at the consequences of faith versus skepticism. The word consequences in and of itself is usually used in a negative sense. We have to face the the consequences of our actions. Uh, We do wrong, we have to face the consequences, right? But there are also good consequences as well. And there are some good consequences that go along with faith. When we look at the faith of the Bible, we understand that there are some good consequences that come with it. Uh, Faith in God gives us everything to enjoy in the present and, and to look forward to in the future. Our trust, for instance, is placed in God to care for us and provide us with every need. As David did. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. Faith allowed David to have peace in difficult situations. It allowed him to rely on God for his every need. To look to Him as His shepherd. To know that he had no reason for wanting or or doubting. Put his faith in God. Notice Paul's confidence in God in Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard... To need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Verse 13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This confidence in God can only be found in faith and Christianity. If we're not a child of God, if we're not a Christian, we can't have this confidence. But it's something that is enjoyed by every Christian. We also need to look at the consequences of disbelief and skepticism. The consequences of disbelief and skepticism leave us with basically nothing. Beyond the life that we know. You ever thought about that? We have no hope for a life to come. No real motivation for a morally pure life. Have you ever pondered what it would be like for an individual who once believed in God and, and later they, they come to renounce their faith. What would it be like for that individual? Uh, what would he or she be giving up if, if they gave up on God? David Raphael Klein authored an article in March, uh, March 1970 issue of Reader's Digest that detailed his view of this subject. Is there a substitute for God he was quoted in Baxter Barrett Baxter's book, I Believe Because. And Mr. Klein says this He still believed in right and wrong, and he still knew when he was doing wrong as he saw it, but he no longer believed he had offended God by it or incurred his punishment. In fact, There was no punishment. He only felt guilty or resolved not to do wrong again. The difference between living this way and trying to live righteously because God commands it is profound. A man could now do anything he wanted, subject only to the laws of the land and his own judgment. Yet this judgment... He had formed in part from parents and institutions whose outlook was still religious. So, although he was denied the basis of the morality of his forebears, such a man still acts in its terms. He obeys the commandments without believing they were commanded. He speaks of right and wrong in the framework of conviction he no longer possesses. He acts according to a Judeo-Christian ethic, although he has abjured the belief. This is the best that one can hope for if he gives up his faith in God. And what about the one who has never believed? And what are the consequences of that disbelief? I think it's very simply put in Scripture in Mark 16 and verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. He who never believes never obeys and And having never obeyed faces judgment already condemned. The consequence of disbelief is eternal damnation according to Scripture. It's not just for a short amount of time. It's something that will last just as long as eternity with God will be if we're rewarded. It is eternal. The punishment will never end. Faith gives us so much if we have faith in God, true faith in God, faith that that leads us to obey God and all that we say and do. But there's so much that can be lost if we don't have faith or if we renounce a faith we once had. Faith is important. It's what Christianity is founded on. Do you have faith? Do you believe in God? And how has that belief led you to obey the gospel? Repentance, confession, baptism for the remission of sins. Are you a Christian? Has your faith led you to live a faithful life in Christ? Are you a faithful child of God? Or have you turned back into the ways of the world? Have you given up on God? Maybe you need to come back and rededicate your life to Him. Maybe you need to ask for prayer. But as we always do, we offer the Lord's invitation to you. And if you're subject to that invitation, if you need to respond in any way, if there's some way that we can help you to do that, we'd be glad to do so if you'll come. As together we stand as we sing.